The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. We want to. We saw the baptism of our Lord and all that it that it means to us for our life and, and righteousness. This week we're going to look at the disciples' call to discipleship. And, and this is it. This is, this is the time when Jesus gets his first disciples, right here in John chapter 1. Next week, we're going to see their call to full-time ministry, where Jesus says to the apostles, go and be fishers of men. And we're going to look at that together. And then finally, we're going to see the disciples called a third time to the ministry of apostleship, and that'll happen later this year. So we're understanding this, right? And so this morning is all about discipleship and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So with that little introduction, I'm going to ask you to please stand as we read our our holy gospel, which is found in John, John chapter 1. The next day... John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom I see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. The next day, John was there again with with two of his disciples When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. This is the gospel of the Lord. Be to you, O Christ. Please be seated. join together and say say a prayer. Holy Spirit, I, I ask that you would give my poor words power, that the people here today would become your followers, that they would come and see you, that you are their cosmic Christ. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. 
In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. You know, I, I, I spend most of the time in the, in the borough of Queens, and I, I sort of kind of like it that way. It's the world's borough. But every once in a while, usually once or twice a week, I make it into Manhattan. And when I go to Manhattan, maybe you're like me, I, I try to avoid eye contact with people I don't know. Because if I make eye contact with a stranger, like, say, on the train or, or walking off the train, the conversation usually goes something like this. It, they'll say something like, repent or burn in hell. Or they'll say something like, can I have a swipe on your Metro card? Or they'll say something like, God is a woman and I can prove it to you from the Bible. You know, it's something like that. Usually the conversations that I have with people that I don't know who have made eye contact with me, they're always memorable, but they're never very fruitful or, or productive. And so I always try to keep my head down and go about my business. And this last week, I, was, I happened to be in Manhattan again. And I was rushing through the train station, and this guy came up, and he made insistent eye contact. And I put my head down and headed to where I needed to go. And he kind of pulled up alongside of me, starts walking along with me, and I thought, what is this guy doing? I, I didn't make eye contact with him. I didn't want to, and I kept on walking. And then he asked me a question. And I was pretty proud of myself because I kept on walking. <laughs> Even though the question was very interesting, I'm going to call it a halting question because strategically this guy who made insistent eye contact, who had pulled up alongside of me, strategically he had asked me this question so that I would stop and engage him in a conversation. And I left that train station physically but I got to admit, my mind was back in the train station. You want to know what he asked me? He said this. He said, dude, what is the only state name that ends with the letter K? I was, I was mind-boggled. What is... What is this question? It was a strategically halting question so that I would stop and engage him in conversation and say, you know what? I don't know. Can you please tell me? What is the only state name that ends in the letter K? But I kept right on going. But that question plagued me. That was the first time that someone asked me a halting question last week. The second time was right upstairs. I sat down and I started doing what I always do to prepare for this very moment. To preach the Word of God. And I prayed and I asked the Holy Spirit to open my heart, my mind, to understand this Word of God. And I read through the lesson for the first time and I thought, nothing. What am I supposed to say? And I, and I think I missed the halting question that Jesus has for us because the NIV just messes it all up. It sort of trivializes the question. The NIV has Jesus asking this question to these two strange guys who are suddenly following Jesus around. This is what they, they asked, Jesus asked them in verse 37. He says, 
what do you want? And, and you can interpret that a number of different ways. If you're from New York, maybe you're thinking, you know, Jesus is kind of weirded out by these strangers who are following him around, and so he turns around and he says, what do you want? Like a rude New Yorker would. Something like, what are you looking at? But then I started digging around in the Greek text. And I read some other translations. And and one of the translations has it this way. It has Jesus turning around to these two strangers who are following him around. And Jesus says this. He says, what do you seek? And that's when it hit me like a a load of bricks. And I thought, that's a halting question. What is it that you do seek? What What is the final purpose of everything that you're doing in this life? What do you want as the outcome? Why do you rush around in the middle of New York City doing what you do? What do you seek? And so I thought, oh wow, now I have two halting questions in my life that are still unanswered. I still don't know what the only state name that ends in K, and now I have to ask myself this very personal, very deep and profound question, what is it that you are seeking? And you probably know this about halting questions. These halting questions, they have a way of sort of eating at your soul. They're like, they're like a little, like a, a pebble that gets in your shoe. You've got to stop and take it out. Or if you're from Minnesota like I am, they're like a, a mosquito bite that you just got to itch. You've got to get to the bottom of these questions. What is it? that you are seeking. So during the week, I actually became a little bit of a a tormentor. I became a little bit of a mosquito, and I started asking people that I ran into. Some of you can testify to this. I I started asking people, what do you seek? And I, I can tell you this, I didn't get the same answer twice. I got very pious answers. I, I, I'm sort of suspicious that people gave me pious answers because I'm a pastor. People would tell me things like, I'm seeking the will of God. Or they'd say, I'm seeking salvation. Or one person said, I'm seeking hope. And another person said, I'm seeking God Himself. And I'm seeking... It was all these different answers. And so I had to ask myself the question, what is it that I am seeking? And I had the least pious answer of all. I said to myself, you know what you're seeking? Escape for just a moment from all the cares and concerns. It's one of those questions that we just got to answer. People are always seeking, 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 seeking. Always, always rushing around, aren't they? And for what? Why? Seeking, 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 but as lost as ever. They don't even know what they want. But I'm going to tell you 
what you want. See if you agree with me. And, and we have to come to an agreement before I tell you I don't want you to laugh. No laughing. I think what everybody actually wants, and they seek it in different ways, but what everybody wants deep down is world peace. I told you you couldn't laugh. I'm serious, I really think, and in the biblical Hebraic sense, what people really want deep down is world peace, so we're going to call it cosmic shalom. And so I'm not talking about, although it would be nice, I'm not talking about wars ceasing, I'm talking about this incredible biblical prosperity where you just know that everything is exactly the way it should be. And so moms, I think, sometimes experience this cosmic shalom just for a moment sometimes. Dads do too. It's, it happens, I think, most often at the end of a very hectic day. But you got the kids and their teeth are brushed, their hair is combed, you got them tucked into bed, they're falling asleep at night, and you go downstairs and all the toys are arranged, and your husband's just staring at you like you're the most beautiful thing on earth, and God is smiling on you, and everything is just the way it's supposed to be. Cosmic shalom. That's what we're going to call it. Everything's the way it's supposed to be. And it lasts just for a couple of moments, I think, sometimes, until, until your friend texts you and say, she says, pray for me. And then it's interrupted. Cosmic Shalom might look a little different for you. Maybe, maybe you're, you're a worker and you go to work every day and, and you just go through a torrid week and you're doing this big project, but at the end of the week your boss says to you, good job. And you're headed to happy hour. And you almost got to inbox zero on your emails, and you're thinking to yourself, life is good. And for just a moment, for just five minutes, you're thinking, this is exactly how it's supposed to be. Until your boss says you got to show up on Saturday morning, and then your cosmic shalom is just shattered. See, when I speak of cosmic shalom, it's this knowledge that you are at peace with God, that your life has experienced prosperity, and everything is exactly the way it's supposed to be. But it never lasts, does it? Not for very long. And I think that's what Jesus, excuse me, John's disciples were looking for too. And they hadn't found it yet with John the Baptist. And so they're still seeking and they're still looking. And so they peel off and they decide that we're going to start following Jesus now. And Jesus turns around and he asks our haunting question, our halting question for the day. What is it that you want? And, so, and, and they reply in sort of a strange and awkward way. Did you notice that? They don't answer Jesus' question. Instead, they question Jesus. So they answer a question with a question. So they say this, Rabbi, 
where are you staying? And, and to us, I think, as, as Westerners, that sounds like a very forward question, doesn't it? It's very forward, like, where do you live? You say, I'm not telling you. You're a stranger. But I think if you lived over there, you'd understand that this isn't a very forward question at all. What, what they really wanted to say is, Jesus, we'd like to follow you, like, all the time. We want to find what we're looking for. And, and so if you could just answer this simple question, maybe, just maybe, you'll let us become your followers and your disciples. And so that's their subtle way of asking Jesus, we'd really like to be your disciples, but we're going to ask you where you live instead. And Jesus says something back, and he, he invites them into discipleship. So this is what he says. He says, come and you will see. Very simple. Come and you will see. And I think we have to understand this, that right here, this, in the very basic and broadest sense, this is what it means to be a disciple. Jesus is just defining it for us. Discipleship is not about obedience. It's not about being Jesus being a pied piper and, and we just got to do everything that he says that we have to do. It's not about following the ten commandments either. What it means to be a disciple of Jesus is simply this. Come and see. It means to say to Jesus, Jesus, I'm going to live my life in your name and I'm going to open the eyes of my heart and I'm going to see what you're going to do for me today. I'm going to see what a great salvation that you will provide like you always have in the past. It means to open the eyes of your heart to come and see what Jesus is going to do for you. And, and believe me when I say it, when they, they saw something in Jesus, we don't know what it was. But they saw enough to become convinced that we're going to come back the next day. And we're going to see what he's going to do for us. And you know what they saw? You know what they saw as they followed him around? They saw Jesus heal people. They saw Jesus throw out demons. They saw Jesus ultimately suffer and die and rise again. And they thought, this is our Savior. We came and we saw. We're going to be his disciples. Their eyes were open. They were seeking, and I'm going to let Andrew tell me what they tell you what they found. Here's what he says what they found. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah. Seeking and finding, we have found the Messiah. And it really shouldn't have been a surprise to them. It shouldn't have been a surprise. Not at all. Because John the Baptist had stood there the day before, and that day too, and he had pointed at Jesus and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so right there, do you know what you have right there? You know what they actually found? Cosmic shalom. Because this Messiah had come to be the lamb that Isaiah 
promised. Who would bear our iniquities. This Messiah had come to be the Lamb that Isaiah had promised. The punishment that brought us peace. And it was to be a cosmic peace. A peace that was for all the world. And for you too. It's the promised shalom that would not just be for Israel. Not just for the obedient ones. Not just the good people. But it would be a cosmic shalom that would be for everyone through this promised Christ. Andrew was seeking cosmic shalom. And he found it in Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a very famous phrase in the Bible, isn't it? Jesus says, seek and you will find. We're going to talk about that in the next couple of weeks when we go through the Sermon on the Mount. Seek and you will find. And i got to tell you, sometimes the things that we're looking for are right in front of our face. And so, I was looking for two things, I think, this last week. One, I wanted to know the answer to the question. What is the only state whose name ends in the letter K. And, you know, I felt a little stupid when I found out. <laughs> Sounds like you already know. New York. And do the kindergarten thing. <laughs> I was standing in it. What the disciples were looking for, too, was right in front of them. Jesus. I don't think they knew what they had found. Oh, but they would know, wouldn't they? As he lived and died for them. I want to invite you to do something this new year, then. I want you to invite you this year to live it in Jesus' holy name. Live this year in Jesus' holy name. And as you're living in Jesus' name, I want you to expect Him to do something amazing for you. Because that's what He always does. That's the very definition of what it means to be a disciple. To come and see and to receive His gifts. In His name, amen.